Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And today we're going to be talking about The Shadow of What Was Lost by James Islington, specifically the prologue through chapter 11. And I am excited. (laughs) It's so cool so far. (laughs) It's pretty good. This is exactly what I've been looking for, I feel like, for the last few months, because I read Akatar and I really enjoyed it. And it scratched a lot of different niches, but not not this like big, epic, like cozy fantasy itch that I was looking for. I completely agree. I've been reading a lot of like deep fantasy that tries to take a different spin on stuff. And this is a nice return to the roots of what I typically look for when I'm going into a new fantasy novel. Comfortable. It's running and camping. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly right. It's a comfortable place to be, and I enjoy it. I'm definitely really into how this world feels so far. I really like the characters quite a bit. And, you know, I am a little bit lost in the sauce, so to speak. You know, the first 200 pages of any epic series is always going to be a lot of terms and a lot of history and a lot of conversations where it seems like maybe those two people already know all the information that's being doled out and it's more for your benefit than anything, but I'm okay with it. I'm very okay with it. It'd be like before you and I started talking about, you know, the president, we like, hey, so as you know, our political system works this way. And you're like, it's totally unnecessary for you and I to know that, but it's good world building. Yeah. And, you know, I've never written a 2200 page epic fantasy series but i imagine you know obviously you always want to show more than you're telling but sometimes to get the reader on board you gotta info dump a little bit and yeah. I'm, I'm here for it yeah and it's uh it's a good way of giving us some information sometimes it gets a little like okay no one would have a conversation like that for real but like you know it's still good but they're having that weird conversation in an inn you know with a yes. crackling fire <laughs> and and there's danger afoot you know and that's that's what i'm here for dun 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 and you know i have a rule i just want to say to everybody listening who gets mad at us for pronouncing words wrong or saying like that's not how that's supposed to be pronounced i have a rule in fantasy novels that however i think the coolest way that the words should be said and pronounced in my own brain. That's usually what I stick to. And you can uh, you can correct me if you know the right way of saying it, but that's usually what I go with. So I'm sorry if I say things wrong. I just go with what I think sounds the coolest. And it's worked out for me through a couple thousand fantasy novels so far. So I think that works perfectly fine. So with all of that, let's dive right in, starting with the prologue. The story opens with a man named Talkamar Deshrel speaking with a shadow. The shadow says there's no escaping him, but Talkamar disappears through a portal to the shadow's screams. Many years later, Davian and Wurr witness a student being made into a shadow. We find out Davian can't access his essence like the other gifted, but has a strange ability to see if someone is lying. We're introduced to Asha, who sends Davian on a task that leads him outside the door of the administrator Talon's office. Davian overhears that other schools are being attacked. Davian is shackled and sent to town for supplies. While buying supplies, Davian is harassed by a group of boys and attacked. A man named Ilseth Tenvar intervenes and escorts him back to the school. They talk at length on the way back about Tenvar's time in the war and the last person to save Davian in a similar situation. Davian is woken by Tenvar in the middle of the night. 
Tenvar tells Davian he knows he is an Augur and that he has been searching for Augurs. Tenvar tells Davian of the boundary in the north. Davian leaves Kaladel with Wur at his side, a mysterious magical object called the Vessel in his pocket. Asha wakes to find everyone in the school murdered. Tenvar finds her and turns her into a shadow. Davian and Wur are saved by a hunter named Brashada, but later robbed by a man named Anar while trying to cross into Desriel. Davian thinks he may have done something to make Anar forget about the vessel. Asha rides to Ilan Ilan with Tenvar. She is assigned to work in the library. Tenvar offers an apology for everything she has been through. Asha, now going by the name Lissa, is working at the sanctuary when she meets a shadow named Jin. Jin shows Asha a hidden society of shadows living underneath Tal Athian. As they explore, Asha sees a dark figure sitting near the base of the stream of energy powering the city. Jin informs Asha that the figure is called the Watcher and that she should stay away from it. Jin introduces Asha to another shadow named Parth and they all sit down for dinner. A creature bursts in, the Watcher they had seen outside. The Watcher wants to speak with Asha, but Jin won't leave. The Watcher kills Jin, then asks Asha if she is there to kill him. Asha asks why he would think that, and the Watcher replies that her presence marks the beginning of death for him and his brothers. Others come from outside and the Watcher turns to leave, but tells Asha not to let Valair suffer. Davian and Wur exploit Davian's ability to see people's lies and win money playing cards with hunters. The hunters mention a gifted boy in the north that has killed his own family in half the village. Davian is attacked and moves faster than he should be able to, stabbing the man and taking both the man's sword and the money. Davian and Wur discuss the four tenants that bind the gifted. They follow Davian's vessel into the forest. The two come across a group of Desrealite soldiers guarding a locked cart. They break into the cart and find a boy named Caden beaten bloody and shackled to the floor. The symbol from Davian's vessel is also on Caden's wrist. They help Caden escape, but the soldiers are alerted. A black cloaked figure cuts down all of the soldiers, then comes for the boys. The scene explodes in light, and the black figure is gone. Before they can regain their composure, another voice sounds, and they are bound with essence. Okay, so I will definitely say the prologue didn't make any sense at all nope <laughs> also i want to clear up something because you mentioned the shadow and i just reread the prologue before this and you're totally right they refer to him as like the shadow this ethereal creature not creature that's kind of there kind of not but just to not confuse people a shadow is a thing in the book like a gifted who's had their powers removed and so the shadow that's being referred to in the prologue is something totally different it's not capitalized yeah, exactly not cast lowercase s it's just your normal run-of-the-mill shadow yeah just a regular shadow you know you're scared of the dark i didn't really get anything out of that prologue which i i i'm fine with you know i can move past the first few pages of a prologue and just be like i think i'll understand a lot of this later and what's really cool about a prologue that's this vague is that once i finish the book or finish the series it is kind of exciting to go back to the prologue you know, and then read it again and be like, whoa, I totally understand what all of these words mean. And this was so cool. Like, oh, look at the hidden meaning. Also, I think there's a cool thing for as the character progresses, obviously, they're going to start off as a little scrub and then end hopefully like way more powerful after they go through the typical hero's journey progression and evolution. And, and over the course, they can't be introduced to the biggest, baddest dude right away. They can't fight Sauron 
on fight one, you know, so you have to go through this like level up progression of like they fight the little guys and bigger, bigger, bigger. But the prologue does a really good job of being like, here's the darkest evil, introducing the biggest baddie right away, kind of, or at least hinting at it. And then then we can go through the normal character evolution of him going through all the little scrubs up to the biggest baddie. But we know he exists. And so. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Definitely. That was a really well done prologue. It got me interested right away. And even though I didn't really understand what was going on, just the intensity of the way it was written. It's just like you're saying, it's like, it's a promise, you know, it's a promise that like things are going to get really intense soon, even though maybe the first couple hundred pages of this book are going to feel a little like, uh, you know, lighthearted, it's cozy, which is what I want anyway. Um, so we are, we're opening up with Davian and Wer and Asha at this, I guess you could call it a school. Yeah, well, I think the schools are called tolls. The school specifically for magic, like there wasn't the toll of of chemistry, you know, it was like, I think it's like a, a where the gifted go and gifted is what the books obviously refer to as people with magical talent to go and learn their craft. And I thought it was really cool that the gifted are kind of shunned by society and that there were like quite a few schools and now there's only a few left. And just that whole dynamic of the outside world being kind of against the, the mere existence of these schools is really interesting. I totally agree. It's kind of like that one country that develops like nuclear power. Yeah, we're just going to not be down with that. Push them over to the side, you know? And it is a really good way of kind of showing like the reason that all these people outside of these schools have such a big problem with these gifted is because they helped the augers to kind of like bring down, you know, it sounds like it seems like there's like, so there was some kind of fall. Well, they discuss because um, he is talking to like Anita or whoever the, the cook is. Um, and she mentions something about the religion. And he says like, oh, that's kind of quaint that you still follow that. And then it gives us a little like window into the backdrop where like somehow the augers were their ability to like see the future or something was disproved and thus that religion died uh, and then it goes into like the war sorry uh, it goes into the war between the gifted and the non and it seems like they had some big old battle and then the gifted i think lost <laughs> yeah I, I mean to add on to that it seemed like the the augers were able to see into the future or, or augment time or something somehow but then their their precognition was becoming less reliable and like causing problems, which is like, that's such a cool idea, right? I mean, it's like, just when you think you've seen everything in fantasy, it's like, as we've been reading along with this, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, ooh, is this, is this time travel? Are we doing cozy running and camping time travel? Like, because if that's <laughs> what this is, like, we're in for a ride. Time travel is an interesting thing to weave into your story because it can be done very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's a dangerous topic if i was an author i'd be like yeah it's kind of a 10-foot pole story element you know i really really enjoyed uh davian and were like their dynamic is really cool i wish we could have seen more of asha before she started having her own chapters like i thought it was a little lame that like asha got like this one kind of like chapter where davian's just kind of like oh asha i like her and then he runs off and like the story continues with his perspective and then it's like we don't get an asha chapter until like 
the worst possible thing has happened (laughs) and then it's until she goes through the most traumatic moment of her life yeah she gets an honorable mention before that which is great i mean like we're we're getting right in there with asha but it is it is also like we got a lot of davian at first and it would have been nice to see like maybe what asha was capable of or like uh you know like her abilities before all of that stuff went down i didn't know that asha was gifted until she became a shadow aka not gifted <laughs> i was like oh she's gifted oh oh and now she's not gifted oh sad panda <laughs> yeah i mean um i was i was very i was very happy to see asha getting her own chapters i thought that was really cool i wish that were had his own chapters That'd be pretty neat too, but like obviously juggling that many POVs can be difficult. But I like Davian. I think Davian's really cool. He's very relatable. Yeah, and it's like he's not he's not like a blank slate for sure, but he's definitely like I think he's the character that I kind of care about the least so far. Oh really? I like I like that. He's got a, a naivete. Am I, if I'm saying that right, a naivete. Naivete. I find kind of naivete. Thank you. He's very naive, <laughs> and it's kind of makes him relatable. And uh, but I I get not finding him to be the most dynamic of characters in the first couple chapters by any means. He seems right now only 200 pages in. Davian feels very much like a vehicle that the story is being driven around in which is fine. I mean, I think were is a lot more interesting. Like I, I am very interested to see like what's going on with him and like what his real abilities are. And we've kind of seen hints of it, but he seems like a lot more capable than we're led to believe. And same with Asha. Like she seems very, very on top of things. And even when like, you know, her situation is too much. All that stuff with Asha underneath the sanctuary in that like city of shadows with like that giant that was such a good visual with like that giant pillar oh, we're of getting light. way ahead yeah i know so that's I, I can edit that no that's fine to do that i don't care i like the word character a lot um because there's kind of a like you said he knows more than he should it's kind of hinting at some sort of deeper mysterious background and the dav character isn't so dynamic like you said he's kind of the the pillar the backbone that the story is revolving around he, he's pretty classic fantasy book starter character like no parents um maybe some hidden powers but he starts off not even being able to access those powers right so the whole the whole first couple chapters are kind of based around like his worry because the trials are coming up this test that he needs to overcome in order to get his like mark of approval by the elder gifted and so he can continue his training and if he fails that it's a major life-altering thing where it's like sorry you failed this test you become a shadow get your gifts removed from you and you basically become a pariah of society (laughs) really intense stakes super intense stakes and he stays up all night you know he's trying to study and look into things which is i think really cool because at least i'm hoping anyway later on in the books he develops and evolves and gains some type of ability whether it's that but i think the knowledge that he's spending a lot more time than everyone else because the stakes are so high for him studying will hopefully aid him later on in the book that's my that's my prediction that they're like setting him up to be like oh man i got all the book knowledge but no street smarts or applicable knowledge and then hopefully once he breaks that barrier down he can be uber powerful i'm excited to see it i'm here for it i want to see davian I don't even I don't even know at this point just 200 pages in it's like I don't even know like what 
I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I'm like, what are they? That was, I mean, that is kind of like one of my chief kind of like the one of the things about about just the first 200 pages that I've read that made it a little bit difficult for me to get through it is that I can see that a lot of things are going to happen in the future because of the way everything's being built up. But it's like Davian is saved by Tenvar, and then like Tenvar is like this really shady character, and Tenvar is just like. I don't know why, but you just, you gotta, you gotta leave, you know? You, and, you gotta get out and of it's here. Like, <laughs> and then Davey is just like, okay, yeah, I gotta go. And it's like, okay. And as a reader, I'm just like, I mean, yeah, I guess he's gotta go. Like, well, I, I think the author, the author recognized that, I think, yeah. which is why a lot of the chapters from Dav's, Dave's, Davian's perspective begins with like those like italicized him remembering like his face being cut open. So you can like kind of let the readers know like, hey man, He's kind of basic, no parents, typical archetype, starter character, but man, he's got a deeper past and it's going to make him something, you know, there's something else going on there. It hints at it anyway, you know, I feel very, um, I feel a little bit left behind in the first 200 pages. I'm not going to lie. Like, I definitely feel like I've been a little buried under information with only a couple characters to really cling to. And I feel like it's, it's moving very, very quickly towards a destination i'm not really understanding like why we need to be there um not saying it's bad like i mean i like i said like i i really do enjoy this world already it's very cozy uh it's very like you know these characters are really interesting it's just the uh, the premise in general is really interesting you know like the position that all these people are finding themselves in but you do get introduced to information that is not relevant to you at the time that I think you're supposed to remember. And the way my memory works, I am so positive that I will not remember it when it is relevant. So I think that the world building, like you said, you kind of get a little lost in the first couple hundred pages because you get this world building vomit thrown at you. But I think it'll all come full circle. Oh, and like, and that's one of my favorite parts about reading epic fantasy is like when it does click, like when you are starting to really put things together, it's kind of like building Legos, honestly. It's like you dump out all these Legos and the instructions are there, but the instructions don't even really make any sense. And it's, you know, <laughs> and it's like the person that wrote the instructions is like, come on, like, it's not that hard. And you're like, I'm trying over here. Then all of a sudden it starts to take shape and you're really starting to understand like, oh, that thing I read about like a hundred pages ago is this thing. And that's what I love so much about reading this stuff and i think it's also you know a big hurdle for people that have never read epic fantasy before too is like it is a hell of a lot of terms and you know if you're totally agree which is why also like a little bit of a side note like if you are trying to get into fantasy and it's it's never really been your genre start with uh, urban fantasy because urban fantasy there are still a lot of other terms and stuff but it's like it's a it's a wizard in chicago you know like you know what chicago is yeah schools are called schools not tolls like you get it it's easy the world's already built you know it kind of it kind of reminds me of this one time my parents had me build uh one of their friends gifted them a swinging hammock but it wasn't in the box and there was no instructions and i literally didn't know what the end piece looked like and so just from the pieces i had to figure out how to put this thing together and i think that that's kind of reminiscent of some of the way that this author 
builds his world is you just given all these pieces but you don't know what the end looks like and so it can be really confusing i mean good thing we've both read some malazan books because uh, <laughs> this is not even close to as confusing as malazan dude this is this is checkers compared to the malazan chess dude <laughs> i mean and you know uh i just yeah i really want to make it clear at least that like if you are reading these these books and you're only 200 pages into this we are just as confused as you are. <laughs> you might even be less confused than we are. But I mean, I'm still having such a good time. And like, this is definitely one of those books that I'm looking forward to reading every day. You know, it's like, I've got a long day at work or I've got a bunch of other stuff going on. And I'm like, well, at least I've got that big, juicy fantasy book that I'm reading. Couldn't agree more. It's a comfortable book series. Like I said, it's very... I don't want to use the word typical because I feel like that's sliding the author's creative ability, but it's everything. All the pieces are kind of what I expect to be. Yes, it can be a little comfortable, but it's a cozy fire I'm sitting next to right now. And yes, I may not understand all the pieces, but I'm certainly enjoying the familiarity of the structure of the story. I think that James Islington does a really good job at kind of throwing some chaos in there when it's getting a little chummy, you know, and like um, having having the, the story kind of like pick up really quick and you know like there's someone here and he's trying to attack everybody or you know like asha's in danger or like it, it's it's it does a really good job at keeping you entertained amidst all of the terms that are very new to us one of the things that i thought were really cool was how like we said there's a, there's a lot of world building perhaps some excessive world building but i like how authors don't use our derogatory terms in our world they'll like make their own and um I think it was cool, the derogatory term that he came up for the non-gifted to call the gifted, which is bleeders, which they have not explained yet, unless I missed it. But uh, at this point, I currently don't know why that is a derogatory term for someone who is gifted. I thought that was really interesting, too. Like, it sounds like a derogatory term. Like, if someone called me a bleeder, even without any weight behind it, I'd be like, what the hell was that? That's what? messed up. I would just immediately think, like, it's the inhumane way to kill a pig or an animal, you know, is let them bleed out because the meat is better. And so you'd be like, you're a bleeder, but it's not cool, you know, because the animal suffers. <laughs> so when I read about Dav talking to Alita, who is the cook in the kitchen, right? And he obviously has this motherly relationship. And I could already see the, like, typicalness that was written into the story evolution. And I was like, Alita's dead. She's the only kind of family member that he has. She's going to die because it, like he needs to be ostracized. and He needs to be at the lowest of the low before he can become the highest of the high, right? And uh, as soon as I was like, motherly relationship, dead, dead. And sure enough, uh, Lita gets taken out. <laughs> um, okay, so what did you think when obviously Dav's struggling to go to about the trials and like activate his gifted powers? But he has this innate ability to see when people are lying. Tell me your thoughts about, like, what did you think when you read that? Are you like, mm, does he have some sort of deeper power? Is it different? What, what did you think? Um, I thought it was cool that they weren't talking about it with anybody else. You know, so it's like I knew something's up with this. This is obviously a school for gifted people. But there's a power that Davian has that he doesn't want to talk to anybody about. So I thought that was really interesting for sure. I did too, yeah. And it gives him a cool little edge that, you know, he can tell when people are lying, you know, they have like a, a shadow that comes out of their mouth, which is maybe hinting at something like deeper, like lying at touches some sort of dark force. I don't know, but I really liked, um, they're like, they're making, sh the author's making sure that he's not too normal. So you still have hope for his ability to like become awesome and crush. 
also i mean what a cool ability right what is it's like a thing that i feel like i mean i've read a lot of fantasy and i haven't seen something like that specifically where like black smoke is coming out of someone's mouth when they're lying okay so i forget the tenants i know there's four of them i think Mm -hmm. and i believe they get mentioned boy very early on when they're talking about the augers and referencing his shadow ability and worse telling him he shouldn't tell anybody about it because they might just kill him they're going to a lot more detail like where goes into a lot more detail about it uh, a little bit yeah later. yeah definitely when they're walking down the road together and having a good really good conversation actually they want to talk about but um the tenants i believe there's like four or five of them and obviously the gifted lost some sort of war some sort of incredibly powerful magic got activated in which it kind of set a rule system that they not only legally have to follow but are literally forced to follow via the magic like they can't harm non-gifted with magic and they're actually forced not to like they cannot and so what what did you think about that is it like because it's man it's a little brutal it is brutal and i think it's it's really really cool that we're already in a world where this ability is so looked down on it puts such a cool dynamic on like every situation like it it's a very good reason for where and Davian to have to be hiding. So when they finally get into Desriel, it's just like, I'm like sitting there reading, just like, I really hope they don't run into anybody <laughs> because from, from the way <laughs> yeah. that, you know, the tenants are described, the way that this history is described, it is going to be really bad for them if anybody finds them. So yeah, I mean, it, it felt, it didn't, it was really cool because it didn't feel like it was like this fabricated problem, which I feel like I've definitely read in fantasy before where it's like, well, this is a problem just because, and it's like, okay, well, I guess so. But like, this felt very natural and like part of the world building. It's like they made the world building the conflict. Right. Well, and it also only happened 20 years in the world's history, right? Because he mentions that like shadows aren't over a certain age because the tenants um, and the treaty happened only like 20, 25 years ago or something. So it's like pretty fresh. They've obviously had enough time to change their culture, to adapt and, you know, Dav and Wur have known that all their life, so they're pretty accustomed to it. But there's still a lot of debate as to the philosophical implications of each one of the tenets. What do you think about the scene where Asha wakes up and everyone's murdered, and then Tenvar is like immediately sketchy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and he was the same guy who tricked, not well, he told Dav to mm-hmm. go find. Uh, to, to deliver the vessel and it'll tell him like, yeah, you know, but he was super vague about it. Yeah. He, okay. So Asher wakes up and is like, it's a normal day. And then sees everyone, not just like murdered around her, but brutally murdered. And they, I thought the author did a really good job of like painting the emotional state that her brain, the, the filter that she's seeing this event through and that like, these are all the people that she was, these are literally all of the people that she knows grew up with has relationships with so like can you imagine if everyone in your world just died and was removed and, and you not, didn't even they weren't even gone but you like came into a room and they were all butchered like terribly made woof that's some therapy right there yeah and like it was like it was almost that the experience was so traumatic for her that right when she ran into tenvar i was like this guy's trouble like i because <laughs> This guy is totally... And she found him in yeah, Wurr's and room. And, and, and he is going to take advantage of her immediately. I knew it. And then, like, yep, turns into her and it turns her into a shadow. Zero warning. Just, like, totally brings that little thing. Bam! Shadowed. 
did you get really strong Aragorn vibes from that guy Anar when they were in that inn? And then like Anar is just like <laughs> Anar like comes up to him and he's just like that man over there has been that that woman over there has been staring at you all night. Like I think it's just the A and the R and the the you know what I mean. I just like <laughs> okay, but very quickly he kind of turns into like a super not so great like morally slimy scumbag like he starts maybe as a little bit of mystery but uh very quickly becomes just a piece of shit i mean that whole scene i felt like was really lengthy like i felt like cards were fun no that wasn't even the cards part oh man oh buddy oh yeah Yeah, that's the next town oh my god you're totally right the first 200 oh my god there's so much running and hiding okay so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what did you okay what did you think when um when he was like don't answer the door to anyone but me and then there were and <laughs> daver up in the room later and you hear that knock and he's like no uh it's someone else but uh and told us to come and like it's totally cool still were you like i thought it was so funny because it was just like that guy and was just like <laughs> Do not answer the door from anybody. And then they were like, <laughs> okay, well, like this one guy will answer. <laughs> and then they come in and immediately try to kill them. <laughs> yeah. Over the course, like, I'm not trying to criticize. I have not made a best-selling book. And it's wonderful. I love it. But if there's any criticism I have, is sometimes his characters are not very intelligent. Like you see it get a bunch of pieces and you're like, oh, obviously it's this. And you think they are going to talk about it. And then one, one of them has this like, aha moment and you're like oh wait that didn't already occur to you uh, you're kind of so far ahead of them sometimes and uh yeah I, I find myself yelling like don't open the door don't open the door uh it does make for a good story though because everyone's surprised all the time so well and like you don't want characters that are like 100 on the ball all the time like you know because then you're no. just watching someone be super good at everything all the time which i mean like i like the idea that like You've got like these two kids like i mean they're what like 16 17 i mean were obviously has some more about him but like davy is just like i don't know what anything is like yeah <laughs> like i thought brashada was cool uh that sword that she had was really awesome like when it got quiet in the room when she took it out like i thought that was such a cool touch but all of it so felt cool. like really like that whole part felt really like lengthy what i think what it was trying to do was it was trying to show that like davian has some kind of weird ability to like manipulate people's memory right first time we see him do anything else other than the shadow mouth totally and i think that that's obviously really important but i think it's just like there's just a weird really long part but it, you know it, it helped with the coziness true and they introduced us to objects being magical right first time we saw like a mat well no i guess the vessel uh, was kind of the first but like a sword you know dav they introduced him having a deeper ability other than um, the ability to see if people were lying. That was really cool. Also, it was the first, well, it was the first time I think in the story that we heard the name Tel Kamar again, right? Because it was mentioned in the prologue. And then in that scene, they're like, thank you for saving us. And she's like, nah, she's super not okay with them, still hates them, and says like, tell Tel Kamar that we're even. And so there's like the first time you hear, you get this like, ooh, what's going on? This like ancient dude who's clearly been struggling and maybe serving because he calls him master in the prologue. Um, We kind of hear him surface again in the story. And uh, so I think it's an important scene, but I definitely think it's a little predictable sometimes. You're like, dude, don't open the door. Obviously it's not. (laughs) 
<laughs> the dude he like literally warned you about this exact thing happening and now you're being like oh convinced by someone being like no no it's cool he said this uh, and then he very predictably turns into a scumbag it's like the shocked pikachu mouse you know what i mean it's just like yeah. let's move on to um asha is with tenvar so I thought it was really cool that they, they just jumped to Asha on a horse with Tenvar heading into Ilin Alan. Right. After she passes out from like getting shadowed. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're moving right along. It's like three weeks ahead. I really like the pacing there. You can't have too much camping and running and camping and running. And Asha's whole situation is so sketchy. Everything that's going on. So shady. Like that guy Tenvar, I just can't, I'm not, like his bogus <laughs> apology He's just like, oh, it was so wild. Like, you were so upset when you saw your whole family murdered that, like, I just had to shadow you, you know? And it's just like, ugh, it's so dumb. Not dumb, but it's like... Dude, he is the worst. And you're just like, yeah, of course this guy's going to be a baddie. Such a bogus apology. Like, uh, I do like, I think it's cool that um, one of my favorite parts so far was Asha being introduced to this whole underground society of shadows. Yes. The Watcher, that was such a good visual of like this pillar of light in the middle of this city underground and like this hooded figure just like staring into it. And I was like, yes, this is so cool. And then they tell you like no one else can even get close to it without dying. Like, oh, you're just like, man, I agree. When she walked into that cavern, the author did an excellent job of showing me like an awesome underground city, which is just- And it's cool. Like, I mean, like I was like immediately like whatever's going on down here, I'm here for it. Like, I want to know what's going on with this like secluded group of shadows. You know, I think the shadow, the whole idea of the shadows is really interesting. It asks some cool questions about like societies and how they're structured and like classism. And, you know, because the shadows like, okay, they failed one test. Yes, it was like a very important test, but like, dude, you can't like, if you couldn't drive forever, if you failed your driving test, like that would be ridiculous. Like we don't believe in second chances at all. Like nope, shadowed forever. You lose your powers. And it's like, that's like their ability to see. It's like another sense for them is kind of how I imagine it. And all of a sudden, like, boom, nope, you're blind forever because you don't know how to drive. And it was like, man, that is brutal (laughs) consequences. So the shadows are just kind of sad. And it's like, Everyone, you know, the gifted are hated by all the population, but the shadows, even though they're no longer gifted or a threat, which is like the reason why the normal populace doesn't like them, uh, they hate them even worse because they're like, not only are you the thing that we hate, you're a failed version of the thing. Dude, she took it very emotionally well. I kept putting myself in her perspective and I'd like have murder on my mind. I was like, wow, she's accepting this pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I think that, it's kind of a cool like window into Asha's character, you know, like she seems like a very, very like strong person. Like I yeah, want to see what, what can like really shake her. Cause she does have those moments where she's kind of like, you know, she's in her, if there's like little snippets of chapters where she's like in her room and she's like crying on her bed or like, she's just thinking like about how terrible this situation is. But it's like, like, I wonder what we're going to see Asha go through. Dude, she's going to become an awesome character, which is why I was surprised when Tenvar was like, oh, it was so traumatic. You didn't even like you were so crazy freaking out that I had to make you a shadow for the rest of your life (laughs) that she wouldn't be like, huh, I feel like I'm a little tougher than that, you know? So and obviously it was a pointer to me to be like, this guy's a scumbag. I did think that that part when Asha is introduced to some of the shadows and they're talking and then the the watcher like bursts in and 
kills boom slams yeah, door it, like, open kills Jen and like i thought that was like exciting but i also thought it was really it was so weird it was like the weirdest yeah like up until then like nothing had really like weirded me out um mm-hmm. i was so confused like i was just like like the watcher just like said i can't even remember what he said to asha but he was just like try not to like don't let any harm come to like this thing and like when my brother was death when you're here uh it's the beginning beginning of death for me and my brothers and like and then he like disappears and i was just like what the hell just happened i have no clue what any of that is i loved it honestly i i kind of I kind of thought that like the story was so comfortable before then. And I was like, is this cozy? We've talked about that a few times because it kind of fits the what you're expecting and looking for in a fantasy series. Uh, but at the same time, you do need to have a couple like wazams thrown in there. And I fully did not expect it. Uh, <laughs> however, I did think it was a little heartless. And maybe it was a, a, a window into the Watcher's character and like where he's coming from and who he is. But he was very nonchalant. He was like, oh, well, that guy interrupted me. So I sliced his throat. No, it was, it was cool. I want to see like all this stuff with Asha that is happening is just super interesting. I agree. And then like when we move on to Davian and we're playing cards with those hunters, I thought that was so cool. Like such an awesome. I was just like, that's how you give me the world building. Like this is so cool. Like we're using this ability that Davian has neither of them feel that great about it like it's it's kind of a sketchy thing to do they're in a lot of danger doing this already and then it's you know cool cool exposition telling me what's going on outside the world and stuff while the tension is ratcheting up and then such a great way to like release that tension by having that guy attack Davian and then Davian moves like super fast you know and like just that was like the part of the book where I was like I'm on board with this like I'm super down for whatever's going on. This is so cool. I I like how we're just getting like this drip feed of like what Davian might actually really be capable of. And even Wur is really surprised at it. And then Davian like punches Wur outside the house. And I just thought like, or not the house, like they get down the road a little bit with their winnings. And then Davian like punches Wur, not once, but two times in the face. And I was just like, <laughs> that is so it's so so refreshing to see like a real reaction out of somebody like yeah like randall thor wouldn't have punched parent in the nose you know what i mean like and it's so cool to see this kind of friendship between the two of them and it really it really makes how much davian trusts were like later down the line a lot more believable I, i loved all of that totally we all have that friend that we've either wanted to or definitely have punched in the face and we've been friends for a long time evan so you know exactly who i'm talking about <laughs> Um, but we all have that one. And it was just a cool, it was a cool and very honest interaction between the two of them and their ability to like still be besties BFFs for like after it was done. Um, okay. So I loved the card game a lot. Just like you said, there was a cool like morality problem because it's super sketch. They're definitely cheating in the game. And then, so he wins the sword that we see is like slow down time abilities come into play again which is pretty cool and then he gets the sword from the guy and he runs off and then before we're before he hits work i think or maybe maybe sometime during that interaction he throws the sword into the bushes you know because he has this disgust for it because it's killed so many gifted because that's what the guy bragged about and i my heart hurt a little bit because it was like okay yeah i get it you like gross it's a weapon that killed like a bunch of my people and like i would i hate the purpose that this weapon lived for 
But at the same time, like, okay, the next time they get surrounded by a bunch of guys holding swords and he'd be like, man, I really wish I would have kept that sword. You know, it's not like they're having the most easy time going They're They're definitely going to be attacked. They're being hunted. You know, he doesn't keep the one weapon he has. I'm like, cool. Now you guys have your hunting knives and your powers you can't control and that you know nothing about. Good choice. That's a good example of like how, yeah, I mean, we're, we might be dealing with some people that this is their first excursion out of school. And like, it is really cool to, to watch. And I'm really glad that we're doing this together like this, because you are remembering things that I forgot. And I'm probably remembering things you <laughs> forgot. So that is... And I've always wanted a sweet sword. So, and I agree with everything you just said, but I've always wanted a sweet, and so he throws it into the, I'm like, dude, come on, get over the fact that it killed a lot of your people. It's just a tool. It's awesome. It's a tool you don't have and need. And also it's extremely valuable. You mentioned earlier, it could like feed someone for a year and like, you're, you're so poor and need money. Like, dude, uh, no, for sure. I agree. I was annoyed. (laughs) So all of this really starts starts making a lot of sense, like, you know, with, like, Davian following this vessel to that locked cart. They get Caden out of there. And I felt so bad for Caden. Like, just the visual of him, like, chained to the bottom of this wagon, just, like, beat up. And it's, like, Oof. in my head, I was, like, I don't even know what this guy did. But, like, this is awful. Like, this, uh, it's just the idea of, like, being alone in the dark, beaten to hell, chained to the bottom of a wagon, and then, like, knowing that you're headed for like an execution it's just oh that's such a brutal like picture that he paints so brutal and on top of it you don't remember anything about like who you are or if you actually even did the crime that they have you locked up for in the first place like he's just so confused and being beat oh man rough rough story we are going (laughs) to get in more into that in in the next synopsis read but i do want to mention uh the other black cloaked figure that wasn't the watcher remember that like yeah he shows up at the end of um their freeing of Caden. totally and yeah i was just like what are these things and it's so funny because it's like is this like a nazgul mid-draw thing are we doing that are we going there and you know what (laughs) james is linkedin if we're going there Let's go there. Let's do it, baby. Let's add a creepy voice, some rings, and uh, a nice scream when they're super pissed off. Dude, I had to reread that scene twice, actually, because a lot of people are displaying massive levels of magical skill. Wurr drops a bomb and, like, blasts them back, and even the shadow crazy thing, Nazgul, for lack of a better term at this point, comes up to them. He's, like, surprised. And then... The kid who turns out to be Caden, he unleashes like a super blast on him as well. And then that thing comes in and kills all of the guards that were all attacking them. And he like wipes them all out. And you're like, ooh, this guy's especially bad. At first, I thought he was the savior. I was like, yeah, I'd be running up, giving him a high five. And then he turns on them. It's like, oh, but it was a cool display and it was flashy. And it was the first time we got to see some like bombs go off, you know? And that'll lead us right back into uh, chapters 12 through 17. All right. And I'm going to do the recap here. So, okay, let's carry on. Asha wakes up in a locked cell. A shadow older than any she's seen yet opens the door. Siner, the Shadrahim. Siner has pieced together Asha's real identity. Asha confirms her account of what happened with Watcher. And Siner informs her that the Watcher's name is Elrith. Elrith has escaped and, according to Siner, will not be returning. Siner tells Asha that he wants to plant her in the employ of the North Warden and spy on him for the shadows, and Asha agrees. 
Davian wakes up next to Wurr, sleeping at his side, and Caden, who appears to be passed out. The person who caught them on the road is none other than the man who had saved Davian early in his life, Terrasar. Terrace is a 48-year-old gifted that escaped prison after being found guilty of breaking the tenants while saving Davian. Terrace informs Davian that Isleth Tenvar was lying and had sent Davian out for some unknown reason. Terrace believes the boundary is indeed weakening and they must find out how Davian and Caden are involved. Weir wakes up and questions Terrace. They wake Caden and ask him questions, but he doesn't remember anything beyond three weeks ago. He used the gift out of fear and was being transported for a public execution. The door bursts open, and another black figure enters the room, ethereal knife in hand. Terrace yells in a foreign language that the creature responds with. Caden slides a shackle onto the creature, and it dies. The four of them leave town under cover of darkness. Terrace, Wurr, Davian, and Caden are traveling north when they find out Wurr has a trace on him for reasons Wurr won't explain. Terrace is suspicious, but Davian still trusts his friend. Terrace informs them all that they need to find a way to cross the border and get to Tol Athian. Crossing the border is impossible, with the Gil Shar on high alert. Terrace has helpful contacts in Thrindar, where a tournament called the Song of Swords is taking place. A man named Duke Elosian, Andrus, appears in Asha's room. He is the North Warden. Elosian brings Asha to the council chamber and tells the council he will be taking Asha on as an ambassador of sorts, in exchange for installing a representative from Tol Athian at court. The elders agree, and Elosian and Asha leave. Davian, Wurr, Terrace, and Caden go to the Great Stadium in Thrindar. They see a gifted being followed with a trap and decide getting inside will be more difficult than they thought. Darius leads the boys to the Temple of the God of Balance, where his friend Nehem resides. Terrace gives Nehem a coin, and Nehem disappears. He returns with two Desrelite soldiers and tells the group that the soldiers will take them for an audience with Princess Caroline Andrus. They travel once more to the Great Stadium, where they meet the Andaran delegation, and we find out that Wurr is cousin to none other than the Princess of Andara, Caroline. Dun, 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 chapter end. <laughs> Boom. Did I stop there that night at two in the morning? Nope, I didn't. <laughs> I know you didn't. That was a really cool end to that chapter. And I think it was really nice to see that where does have a lot more going on than I thought he did. And like, it's just, that was a really cool, unexpected thing. I really liked that we weren't teased with what does where no, why does he keep, because he, he had a lot of reveals up to that point of information that he like, shouldn't really know or like politics and the depth of knowledge that was crazy more than he should have and so i'm really glad that they author didn't tease us with that and they just revealed it quickly and you're like okay that was an appropriate time for us to learn that we can move on now absolutely uh these chapters were really cool for the most part uh i mean i definitely thought the whole part with asha and signer and the north warden and like the council and stuff was like a lot even when i was writing this when i was doing the synopsis and i said elosian brings asha to the council chamber and tells the council he will be taking asha on as an ambassador of sorts in exchange for installing a representative from tolathion at court <laughs> when i was reading that i was just like this is getting a little ridiculous dude i have to learn i have to learn how their entire like political structure works and also have to make 10 to 
decisions on how to pronounce different words, places, and names uh, in like three chapters. It was a lot. And sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, when you're playing like an RPG, like The Witcher or like Skyrim or like, you know, sometimes the missions keep getting backed up where it's like, well, before we do this, we need to go get this thing, obviously. And before we do that, we need to go over here. And I felt like that's what a lot of these chapters were. Like when we're and Davian and Caden and Terrace are all walking and Terrace is just like, well, we, ha- we have to get to Tolathian. And they're just like, cool. OK, sure. Let's go there. And he's like, but actually, the only we can't actually go over there because first we need to go over to Thrindar. <laughs> and they're like, OK, let's go to Thrindar. And he's like, OK, but when we get to Thrindar, like I, yeah, I've got these people that I know that could get us over the river. And they're like, OK, cool. And they're like, and then he's like, but the Andaran delegation that's going to be at the Song of Swords tournament will have lots of gifted with them. So we're going to have to go in and like make sure that we're with the gifted with the Andaran delegation. But I know a guy and I got this coin and I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> that was all a little uh, the word I'm looking for is like zany, you know. It was very zany and very like, I don't want to say if it was unfocused because it was very focused. Like, obviously there's a plot developing here. It was just a lot all at once. And I didn't, I felt like I didn't get a chance to really like hang out with any of the characters. I was just kind of watching things develop, which is fine because I think that watching the characters' reactions to the plot that's developing will be cool in the future for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, stadium scene, super cool. I liked it. I, I enjoyed and kind of giggled at the conversation between Wur and Davian before they get to the city. And he's like, oh, well, did you know the, the Song of Swords is happening? And then Wur was like, but as you know, it's about this, this, and this, and the winner. And he just gives him a bunch of information that like we would yeah. never... Like when you and I talk about traffic, I don't begin by explaining how a car works. Mm-hmm. You know, we just get and so I was just it made me giggle because the author was clearly trying to give us information and uh, <laughs> it was given to me boldly. Like I am a budding fantasy author myself. And like, I think that maybe one of the reasons that I notice all of this kind of stuff is because I've been so steeped in like a lot of these different rules. Right. But the thing about all this is that you don't have to follow all these rules to tell a good story. You know, don't use too many adverbs, like make sure all of your dialogue tags are said and not anything else. And don't ever use passive voice and, you know, all this stuff. And I think that like with this, you know, the show versus tell rule is like, it's so heavily drilled into people. And I get that. And that this is like for a debut epic fantasy novel, this is so cool. It is a little rough around the edges in the sense that like, I feel my attention kind of waning sometimes when too many things are being dumped on me. And I, but it's like, it's not even that there's too much information for me to handle. It's that there's so much information. And I, and what I want to do is like, be here with these characters, you know, and it's like, not read a textbook yeah time adds value right so you need to spend some more time with the characters and the concepts that he's introducing to have a develop an emotional connection with those things which i think is happening just a lot slower than i wanted it to okay i'm not very attached to davian i'm not very attached to terrace uh but i or or caden but i don't know how you could be attached to to caden really Actually, I don't know, because I am really interested in what Caden's got going on. That's a, that's a pretty interesting character for sure. But I really like Asha still, and I really like War. 
a lot. Yeah, same. I like were a lot. Like, I don't want anything bad to happen to Asha or were. Please. I don't want that to happen. But yeah, the whole, the great uh, stadium thing was really cool where they showed a little bit of like that fight. That was really awesome. Mm hmm. A little bit of deeper politics because they referenced that um, uh, the guy who wins has to lose on purpose in order to not displease the country because they're trying to prevent the, you know, the political climate is very heated at that moment. So he like chooses to lose, which was like, sure, but he's also really a salty little dude about it later. So, you know, <laughs> you can't give him too much credit. He does make the right choice, though. Yes, he whines and gets a little complainy, but uh he still does the right thing. So, you know, actions speak louder than words, I guess. I liked most of these chapters just fine. I mean, like, I definitely felt like I, I don't know, man. Like, I think that was five whole chapters of me being talked at. <laughs> like they were this book was having yeah having its time in the sun with my brain and there was some fun dun 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 moments like we're becoming the cousin like i'm like i said i'm very glad that that was an early reveal but yeah it was a lot it was a lot asha's arc is going well I like what she's like the pact she made with um, Elosin, Elosian. Well, no, with Siner. See, that's what I was talking about with like the the RPG thing, where it's kind of like so Asha gets shown this underground society of shadows. Cool, I totally understand that. Siner, right. The Shadrahin is in charge of this situation. Totally understand that. I am on the same page. And then Siner's yep. just like, okay, so the council doesn't, or they're trying to figure out where this secret society of shadows is and they don't know yet but like i'm trying uh, to make it so that they don't know yet but like now i have to get the north warden involved but like he thinks that like like he's like uh not really doing his duties lately and i think it's because of like these reasons so like what you're gonna do in order to get something on him yeah i need to, you to implement it go into his forces and gain his trust and find some dirt on him so i have some leverage to and then the dominoes fall yeah and then it's like and his plan like works like so perfectly he's just like okay like as soon as he finds out that like that you're who you are or something that he's gonna be like totally down to like have you and it's like i thought there was gonna be some kind of hitch in that plan but nope the guy just shows up in her room and i was just like okay here he is <laughs> he's, he's brilliant <laughs> he's a mastermind strategist dude and his whole point is to try to gain leverage. Like, he's not even getting a guarantee out of it. He's just like, hey, I want something. I want some dirt on a Losian so that way I have leverage so I can. And then the dominoes fall down to, I guess, the regular people not wanting to discover his cavern full of shadows. And like, <laughs> it's like, I don't even. That was the part where I felt like the most disconnected with the book, probably. Like, the tail end of that conversation between Asha and Siner. I was definitely like, I don't even know what's going on here. And then it got a little deeper when Elosian shows up in her room and is just like, come with me. And then, okay, so I'm going to take her. And then everyone's like, no, you can't for like some reason. And then he's like, no, I'm going to take her. But in exchange, you can have a representative from Tolathian at my court. And they're all really stoked about that for like some reason. And it, I was just like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Like, but I'm here for it. Let's go. Like, dude, I'm just confused now. Dude, well, I've learned that uh, Asha isn't the most loyal, right? You can convince her to be on anyone's side with one conversation. <laughs> you know, the Shadrahim gets her after one. She's like, no, I'm totally going to be your inside man, be a spy for you. Boom. Nailed it. Yeah, she has her uh, reservations, but she pretty much just goes for it because she's Team Shadow. And then Elosian kind of befriends her and he like 
saves her and was just like, no, no, it's all good. I got you. Now you're going to work for me. And look, people like you and like your friend. She's like, oh my God, like my friend. And then all of a sudden she's on his side. I do remember like the end of that chapter. She's like, are you really going to make me an ambassador? And he's just like, we'll find out. Yeah, dude. Okay. That was another thing. I was like, what? Cause they did zero, you know, like when the shadow dude attacked dav and were outside when they were saving caden he like killed the nine soldiers first and that was like a cool way of showing us like yeah. this dude's bad like he is a good but when she became ambassador they there was zero like build up as to that position's importance so i was like cool she's an ambassador and then actually that's like a super high thing of honor and everyone's gonna hate her it's gonna become this big like variable in her relationship and how she's seen throughout the castle and the things that she has access to because she's like this big high ambassador position. I'm not even ashamed to say it. Like I, I really am like it with that particular plot line, at least just like that, the particular part of that particular plot line. I am definitely kind of like, I don't really understand like, and you know, uh, it's only the first couple hundred pages. So I'm sure I'll understand more as we go. It's super confusing and it's a lot. And some of it seems shallow and like odd. And I hope that that is a inclination that we're getting. There's a thin layer of ice over a much deeper lake, you know? And I hope that, cause like we know what the characters know now and the deception that they're trying to weave maybe. And so I think that some of the confusion and like eyebrow arching moments might be due to us seeing the tapestry of deception that the people are trying to weave and hopefully all will be revealed once we see the greater picture yeah that totally makes sense and we're only 200 pages into a very long trilogy and it is going to be really cool to not only start understanding more of this but just get a lot more comfortable with all of these terms and i mean i remember the first time i read a game of thrones you know i was just like this is too much. I have no idea who anybody is. There's so many first names and last names and houses and all this history. Like what happened like 13 years ago? Like who even are these people? Is this a good guy or a bad guy? Like where's the dramatis persona that I can reference? Cause I'm confused. Yeah. It made me start thinking too, when I, when we started reading this together, like I haven't really read a series like this in a while like a pretty long time, actually. I don't think since my second read through of The Wheel of Time, because, uh, you know, I did read some series this year. Like I read Shades of Magic by V.E. Schwab, but that wasn't even close to as complex as this. And it's funny because like, I think going into this, I thought it wasn't going to be very complicated, but like it, it's tripping me up. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, and I've read a lot of fantasy books. Maybe it's just me. No, man, I agree. It's, uh, I don't know if it's overly so, but there's definitely a lot happening in little bits of time. And sometimes I'm like, Phew, I'm still trying to figure out how to say that guy's name with two A's next to each other. And uh, we're moving on. But that is one of the coolest things about epic fantasy is that you've got really high stakes and there's a ton of information. It's kind of like, it's like learning a, um, it's like learning a new board game, right? You know, you've never played Settlers of Catan and like, you know, your friends are explaining it to you and you've had a couple of drinks and you're just like, I'm never going to get this. This is way too complicated, but you just put all your money into sheet, double down on sheet. You don't know what you're doing. But like, if you asked me to, I could write you an entire essay on how that game works. <laughs> You know, but like the first couple of times you play it, you're just like, this is wild. Like, this is so complicated. And I mean, I feel like the cool thing about how complex this can get sometimes 
is that when those things do come together, it really is that much cooler, you know? And when you do have a lot of plates spinning, you know, and you think this is chaos, this is all gonna break, but somehow it doesn't and it, it creates this really awesome show because over time, as you started to become more familiar with these characters, these terms are starting to become second nature. And then, you know, you find out this new information and it puts this whole different twist on all this stuff you thought you understood. And that's the mark of a really good epic fantasy, especially because the stakes are so high. I agree. We're zoomed so far into the picture. We just see a jumble of pixelated colors and as we go out, sometimes maybe not fast enough to what we want, but as we come out, we start to see the picture and I think it's going to be a cool picture. It's fun. And it's like I said, comfortable, throws me some uh, surprises from time to time, but it's, it's good. I really enjoy it. Uh, okay. One more thing before we wrap up here, I wanted to hear your, and I, I just forgot to ask you this question. Uh, I wanted to hear your opinion on the boundary because this is um, in these chapters, we were introduced to the boundary and got a little more information on it when Terrace is like explaining to Caden were and Dav after they free Dav or they free Caden and um, Terrace comes in and saves them. Then they get all knocked out. Um, we get introduced to a different type of vessel where he transports them back. And then we get a lesson on the boundary, which is some sort of magical barrier. Tell me what your thoughts are when you like heard that. What do you think exists beyond the barrier? Is it like still this world or a different dimension? Sorry, keep going. I have no idea. I mean, like the way that it seemed was like kind of, I mean, it, you know, not to be pedantic, but it felt a little pedestrian, you know, like yeah. this idea that like there's like this barrier. It's like, it's cool. But then like, are there like monsters behind this barrier? Is that like kind of what they're hinting at? Like, like bad things are coming out of this. Like, we, yeah, like we can't let this, we can't let this barrier fail or else bad things are going to happen. And I was just like, it is like, um, it is kind of like the wall in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I debated with it whether or not it had like a physical position which i think the answer is yes but i was like maybe it's something preventing like another dimension like a portal but then i think it's actually like a you go far north enough you're gonna see a big magic wall um yeah i mean like there's a um there's a wall in uh the accord of thorns and roses series that i just read it was like an actual like magical barrier um that had like holes in it which so like i i felt like you know maybe it was just a consequence of just having read that series but that's kind of how i pictured it is like it's it may be like it maybe it's like invisible but there is like some sort of threshold that's keeping so i think that'll wrap up our first 200 pages of the shadow of what was lost which is book one in the lycanius trilogy and i think that this is a really cool way to do it i think uh, if you're just with us now on our very first try at this, we're probably going to get it a little more figured out and uh, streamlined, obviously. But these are very, very big books. So we appreciate your patience with us, you know, in, in trying to get this figured out. Yeah, we're bouncing around. I don't know about how Evan's brain works, but sometimes I forget the order of things of what I learn. And so I know we'll, and we get excited. I'm, a, I'm an excitable fella. And I know you're a little more streamlined than me, but I like to, I think about something and then jump, you know? Well, the cool thing is, is that we've got, you know, uh, if you're here with us and you're reading along in real time while we're reading this, that's really cool. You're caught up to where we're at. And also if you've already read the books, this is kind of like another read through for you, you know, as it is. 
like you already know a bunch of everything that's that's happening and seeing our reactions to it must be kind of fun for you and if you figure this stuff out a lot quicker than us and they're like uh then you know hopefully it's an entertaining thing to just sit back and laugh <laughs> like these i know right like i really am picturing like somebody that that really loved these books it's just just like i didn't have any trouble with it at all like it's not that complicated, Evan. Come on, Chad. <laughs> really typical and archetypal. <laughs> well, I mean, there are parts of this book that are very structurally typical of an epic fantasy series, but even stuff that's structurally simple can have complicated details. I mean, even the first time I, when I was reading The Eye of the World, I mean, I didn't know what a lot of those terms were, and I didn't know why things were important, or I didn't know why a warder was so important to an Aes Sedai or like I mean remember the first time you read Tolkien when you were like 14 you're like this is so good but also you're like I didn't really understand half of this when I read I read The Hobbit when I was like 11 and I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever read I love it so much I watched it in tandem with like the 1976 like animated movie which is horrific by the way so scary yeah and they made that for children like wow and then I I think my mom bought me Fellowship of the Ring. And she was like, okay, this is the first book of the next three. And I was like, hell yeah, like three more Hobbit books? Like I'm down, let's go. And then I read like three pages of Fellowship of the Ring and uh, like my 11 year old brain was just like, this isn't happening. Like I can't. No. Dude, I got all the way up to Elrond's, uh, Elrond's council and boy, I got stuck there for a long time. I think I read the entire Chronicles of Narnia before I picked it up again because it's just, uh, dude, there's like multiple pages of Elvish song. 14-year-old Chad was not okay with that. Well, and like, the, I think the Council of Elrond might be the longest chapter in the whole series. I've only ever read it one time. You've only I've read skipped Lord it every once. other time I've read the series. Oh, you've skipped no, it? No, no, I've read the whole series multiple, multiple, probably five or six times, but I've only read that chapter once because I know that it was so boring. But I mean, you know, I was also 14 when I did it, so maybe I should give it another shot. You know, me and, and by extension, you too, like we are just two people that really like fantasy, sci-fi and horror books. And, and we're not trying to make any grand statements or objective statements about anything. I mean, like, I, I feel like I can't no. really. No, I've never, I've never written a book. Like I'm in no position to be hating on it. I'm going to make criticisms, make fun of it sometimes. Cause there's things that I think are funny or typical, but like, I've never written a book like that. I've never sat down and created half of the creative time investment that it took for them to create that. So like, I'm not trying to bring them down. I just, uh, I just think it's cool. I just want to talk about it. Yeah. And part of talking about it is piecing it or taking it apart and then putting it back together with a friend of yours. You know, that's like always been one of my favorite parts about being into like nerd fandom in general is like, you know, we're talking about whether or not Han or Guido shot first and it doesn't really matter in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, but it is a really fun argument to have. I will not watch any episode of Black Mirror new episode alone because the best part of the episode is afterwards the discussion of like what they were trying to say. And like, do we think that technological craziness is actually going to happen? I don't know. It's a cool conversational spark. And I like to I like I like to watch the fire. And that's why I didn't, I mean, I, at first I thought I was going to do this podcast alone and I'm so glad I didn't because I feel like you and I are having 
much more entertaining conversations and this is much better curated content than I could have done alone. You know, alone would have been, I guess, a little bit more streamlined, but it would have taken a lot of work too, because I would have had to like literally write down video essays, like, which I'm already going to do for reviews of books that I read by myself. Well, and I think that we bring different perspectives to whatever is happening and we can kind of round out each other's opinions and it's like cool to talk about them. And if you disagree with like, even how a name is pronounced, I think it's good to, to talk about it and make fun of each other and try to figure out some of those questions that the author is asking when we get deep with stuff and try to just talk about it and dive deep. I, I like that stuff, you know? I think that about wraps up the first 200 pages of The Shadow of What Was Lost. And what a great 200 pages those were. And after this episode, I'm going to just jump right in and start reading up until page 400. Dude, I'm probably going to start this evening. What a great on-ramp to the highway uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to driving down. And with that, I would really love to thank everyone for your time. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to our channel as we enjoy talking to you. And we want to bring you more awesome discussions like this one. So uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much.